0: Welcome to the Ortho Joe Show, a joint production of the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery and OrthoEvidence. In our world, orthopedic research is king, and current topics from our respective publications are analyzed weekly. Here is Mohit Bhandari from OrthoEvidence and Mark Swinkowski from the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. Well, great! Uh, welcome to uh, another episode of Ortho Joe, where uh, Mo Bandari and I chat about some important developments in our respective spheres of journal uh, editing and uh, in our worlds of of clinical research and clinical practice. And uh, usually, we are uh, doing these recordings early in the morning, so we both we both have a cup of Ortho Joe in hand. This is uh, we're special uh, recording tonight. It's in the evening, so. I Do have my ortho joe cup, my uh transportation cup? But in it, instead of coffee, I have a chai latte. Ah, so you're That's not a
1: caffeine at night guy, are you, Mark? I, uh, I...
0: Well, yeah, I am a caffeine at night guy, but I need the chai to just kind of mellow out because it's been a long day in surgery, and uh, well, you. you know, it's just it just is a more you know, a drift into the evening kind of
1: thing. So, <laughs> I like, that.
0: Uh, I like Mo, that. Mo just got. Uh, done with a very important meeting, and he's away from his cup. But we'll forgive him this time.
1: Okay, thank you. I will promise to have one after I finish this. I promise.
0: <laughs> you try a chai latte. I highly recommend. It. So, like so we have a special guest uh for this episode of ortho Joe, and we are uh, at uh, jbgs celebrating a 10-year anniversary of one of our sister publications. And it's my pleasure to introduce my partner, Dr. Ed Chang. Now, let's just talk about. Uh, the uh, issue of uh, nepotism at JVJS, and point out that uh, Dr. Chang was appointed as editor of Essential Surgical Techniques by my predecessor, Dr. Vern Tolo. Uh, so it's not a case of of uh, partners promoting partners, uh, and I want to make that uh, very clear to the audience that we don't we don't go down that road. But uh, Dr. Chang is a uh, an expert uh, musculoskeletal oncologist uh, and adult joint reconstruction specialist who it's been my pleasure to work with for uh, since 1997. And one of the great things about Ed is he never says no. Uh, and he, uh, he always takes great care of the most complicated things uh, and has, has been a, a stalwart pillar of this department for a long time. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, we're here to talk about his role uh, in essential surgical techniques. And um, first, be- before I let him go off on all the accomplishments, which have been many, over the last decade. Mo, you had ortho evidence. What, what do you kind of see uh, as the role of the video communication in the goals of ortho evidence?
1: You know, it's interesting because, you know, we have been, uh, just as you have been here at JBJS, evaluating carefully data. And the one thing we have found is that when we took our advanced clinical evidence reports and, and, you know, the members will will recall that these are just summaries of, you know, primary papers where we're trying to put in our own sort of um, analysis. When we add an audio interview to a report, we see almost doubling of the views and actually it helps enhance it. Why? Because there's context in the spoken word uh, from the author themselves that sometimes isn't quite always translated to the written page. We've gone on top of that, learning from that we've gone from audio now to video um, very similar to this in the podcast mindset. And and again, it just different, different uh, individuals have different approaches to how they like to consume evidence. And I think anybody who is, too narrowly focused and with one lens is likely missing out on a huge opportunity. So we have been learning. So we're still in the learning phase. I'm actually quite, quite interested in hearing from Ed this evening around, you know, what sort of uh, advances he's found uh, as we begin this discussion this evening.
0: That's great. Thanks, Ed. Why don't you start with what kind of what the goals of the, the essential surgical techniques are and maybe go back in time and how you started it and what's what's developed.
2: Well, uh, thanks, first of all, very much uh, for the honor and privilege of being here. I uh, enjoyed listening to some previous podcasts, and they've become very popular. So I think it's a neat innovation that uh, the two of you have been doing, and uh, kudos to both of you for that. Well, along the lines of innovation, uh, it was, I guess, uh, uh, quite a few years ago when Vern Tolo had asked me to take on this responsibility, and it completely caught me by surprise because, well, number one, I didn't know much about this particular sister journal. And then uh, the second was that uh, I was wondering why he would ask me. But uh, it's been great fun, and I've really enjoyed the opportunity to do this, Mark. The journal is uh, devoted to teaching surgeons uh, surgical techniques, uh, obviously. And there have been a number of innovations that have uh, come along. But uh, mostly, I think the change, as uh, Mo was just saying, Uh, about how you teach people uh, surgery has been really important. And the development of multimedia has really helped. Uh, For example, let's just take the audio, the narration. I think uh, when I try and learn something or want to know how to do a procedure, it's not just watching someone manually do something. It's really getting inside of their mind. And I think surgery is done in the mind. It's not done with their hands, although of course the technical manual performance is important but I really think it's done in the mind and you wanna get inside the mind of the surgeon, the master surgeon and what they're thinking, how are they making decisions? How are they staying out of trouble? What are they anticipating? How do they plan the surgery? It's these types of questions that go on in the mind that I would like to get at as a student. And so I think we've tried to reproduce that uh, by having uh, narration uh, when the video goes on or even uh, if it's just at the beginning, an introduction of the topic, uh, by the author and having them talk about the, the background of what the problem is, what the procedure is, where it fits in the armamentarium of uh, whatever is being taken care of. So I think the Surgical Techniques Journal has been a great companion to the flagship journal of our profession and uh, has been available mainly as an online resources at a point of care where you can look at it immediately, uh, whether it's the night before, whether it's 10 minutes before you're doing something whether you're it's the first time you're seeing something or you just wanna learn something and review it uh, because you've sent one call and you have to do a procedure. So there, it's a great resource to have for all of us.
0: Why don't you tell the uh, audience about the two uh, article types and, and maybe also talk about um, what are the requirements to submit uh, to, to your journal?
2: Well, as in all of our journals at JBJS, uh, you can submit unsolicited articles, and we welcome that. Uh, the requirements are, though, that the procedure that's being described has to have outcomes supporting it. So we won't just uh, publish an article or procedure and demonstrate it because it's your favorite technique for doing something. You really have to demonstrate what is the benefit of it and what is the outcome. Uh, and that has to be done in a peer-reviewed setting, so some type of published article. It doesn't have to be in JVJS. And in fact, you don't have to be the author of that particular article either. The reference article can be written by another author, Dr. X, and you as Dr. Z can demonstrate the procedure. It just has to be substantially equivalent. Um, so that's the one criteria that we have, is that the procedures are bona fide, they've been vetted, they have outcomes that have been published. Uh, so it's... Uh, that's one difference from just putting something on the internet. The internet's kind of the Wild West, people say, and so we don't want uh, the surgical techniques journal to be the Wild West. We want it to have procedures that are reliable, that you know or have been looked at and have published outcomes that you can decide as the surgeon viewer whether or not it's valuable in your practice or for your patient at that time. But the two article types you mentioned, uh, Mark, there is the key procedures, which... um, we envisioned as kind of really the essential procedures that all general surgeons will do, whether it's a distal radius fracture, uh, whether it's a tibia fracture, or compartment syndrome as an emergency, uh, or maybe a trigger finger or carpal tunnel release, or a total hip or a total knee. But these are procedures that really the general orthopedic surgeon will perform in most locations in the developed world. Now, there are other much more specialized procedures that. would be done by a subspecialist. Uh, for example, while well, in my field, it's a tumor surgery, an osteosarcoma, for example, um, or in your surgery, uh, perhaps a pelvic fracture or a difficult supracondylar comminuted fracture, something where uh, perhaps someone with greater focus and experience might be doing the procedure. So those procedures we call subspecialty procedures. And uh, we've kind of designated uh, the two types of articles, but really besides the topic, there's no difference in these two types of articles. All of the articles are video now. Uh, They have an enhanced abstract, so you have a takeaway, a handwritten copy of a summary. Um, There are tips and tricks that are in the abstract. There are references. Uh, So you always have something in written form to refer to, but the procedure itself uh, is talked about and demonstrated and outcomes are shown on the video itself. And of course, as I just mentioned earlier, the narration by the author telling you what
1: he or she is thinking about as they're doing the procedure. Can I can I jump in uh Mark for one second? Just to ask a full question to Ed Ed, when you look yeah. back at, at the journal and the article submissions, are there some for you that just stand out that have been particularly um important for readers? And can you just maybe give a brief description about you know some of the more um popular uh techniques that have been shown? And I guess the question is: is it often the very fundamental? straightforward procedure that surgeons do where someone gives a slightly different perspective that's becoming more popular, or is it more the more rare and more complex techniques that are more popular? I'm curious what the uptake is on these. Uh, Well, we do, since we are online, we do have metrics we can follow. And
2: I think my uh, experience has been that the the procedures that are done by most everyone are the ones that get the most viewing, uh, the most uh, video or page views, as you want to call it. But I think the characteristics that make it an excellent article, we do have award winners, Mo. And so every year we will select an editor's choice award winner for both the key procedures and the subspecialty article. Uh, And every year they've been getting better and better. It's been uh, great to see that uh, come on or develop over time. But what makes the article excellent, I think, is the extra time that uh, one puts into the article. So you can just do something basic. Uh, We ask people to submit a plan for their video, that's called a storyboard, and we critique that first uh, and peer review that, so that you don't have to do a production of a video and then suddenly have to edit the video. Editing video is is difficult, it's not as easy as a Word document, so we try and and peer review the plan, and then once uh, the plan is approved, you as the author carry out the plan, and as long as it meets the uh, the, as long as it is equivalent to the plan, the produced video, that is, then uh, we publish it, and it doesn't require further review. But the, things, the characteristics that make an article excellent are extra time and effort in demonstrating something. It's the way you're demonstrating it. Uh, it's perhaps using two screens to show what is going on. Let's say it's an arthroscopic procedure. You might show the camera view, and side by side, you might show the outside view of what the surgeon's doing. So the viewer gets to hear what is the surgeon thinking. They can see what the surgeon's hands are doing outside the the, uh, joint, and then they can see the view from the scope inside the joint. So we think that gives the best demonstration uh, and learning environment for something like that. Or it might be a a spine procedure where you're showing how, once you've placed pedicle screws, you're reducing a spine or scoliotic spine or something else like that, uh, where the actual performance of doing something uh, can be seen well. Um, other times, it's perhaps not, not different views, uh, but it might be showing the outcomes of a procedure. It's great to see, you know, uh, seeing is believing, right? And so uh, we can talk about the numbers and data, uh, which you and Mark do all the time and the evidence, but also there's benefit to seeing uh, what happens. So you see someone get up and walk again or whatever the, the joint motion is that you're trying to demonstrate. So I think uh, when you go through that, you're taking data. Of course, you're showing actual data, but you're also showing, uh, real views of, of real patients and what's happening to them.
0: So do, do you have to have like a professional videographer uh, or can you do this with your smartphone?
2: Um, That's a great question, Mark. And um, the, I think one of the benefits of YouTube that I've learned, uh, and I've taken a lot of inspiration from that is when I break something at home or I have to fix my car, sometimes I try and do it myself. And I've looked on YouTube and it's amazing how many people put something out there about how to fix it. It doesn't, you get the message across. It doesn't have to be that professional. So the quick answer to your question is no. Uh, In fact, most, I think people do this just themselves. Uh, These days, your iPhone or your uh, other type of phone that has a uh, uh, high definition camera um, is terrific and creates uh, obtains very uh, excellent video. And as long as you can hold it still or have someone hold it still, it's perfectly adequate. So you don't need, whole setup of professional equipment now if you have the money for that of course that's great um but uh, really you don't need that what you do is you want to get the the message across and the best person to get the message across is the surgeon because the surgeon knows what he or she is thinking and knows how to demonstrate that and what view they want and so just even a smartphone or almost any basic uh consumer camera consumer grade camera is perfectly satisfactory for capturing excellent video, high quality video that can be shown online, that'll show uh, what's going on. It's more the thinking about how are you going to show it. That's where the uh, the talented person or the, the superb article comes out. It is not It's not the equipment. It's really just showing um, how am I going to demonstrate this concept to the person. Sometimes it's not in a patient. If it's too bloody a surgery, you might show it best on a sawbones or in a cadaver lab or something like that.
1: I was going to say, can you speak to the average length of these videos? I imagine that you know uh, you can you can often uh, get salient points in a few minutes, but sometimes you know you need more than that. Well, what's the average size, or what's is there a max size that you accept?
2: Well, there's no maximum size, but we do try and keep the time limit to 20 minutes or less. Okay. And the reason is uh, the um, you know surgeons are humans, so their attention span is limited, and and this is not a, a movie, right? So we wanna get the the point across as succinctly as possible. And so we try and keep it uh, down to 20 minutes or less. Uh, We also uh, have a couple of features which allow someone to learn efficiently. We realize that surgeon's time is very valuable, right? So we um, have a viewer that allows you to play the video uh, and the narration at double the speed while still understanding the narration. You don't sound like Mickey Mouse, but you have a regular voice, it's just speaking a little faster or if uh, there's a part of the procedure that you need to see, you don't need to see the whole thing, we have a a menu option where there are uh, video clips or outlined as what's on each video clip. You can directly navigate to the video clip of interest or that portion of the procedure that you need to see. Um, So that's another way. Uh, Lastly, we are an international journal. And so right now, uh, when we have international viewers, As we speak at the the fast cadence that you and Mark and I are speaking at, sometimes the international viewer can't grasp that verbally. It takes them a while. They're better at reading written English than they are at hearing it. And so we've uh, used the closed captioning with uh, English subtitles to make sure that they're able to read what the surgeon is saying uh, while it's going on. And that's been very helpful, I think, for our international viewers.
0: Yeah, and Ed, I would uh, give you all the credit for those technological advances. You're you're way more uh, techie-minded uh, than me by a factor of uh, uh, an order of magnitude. So, uh, And I know you continue to have thoughts about how to make it better all, all the time. But before I ask you to answer that of where you see it going in the future, can you give uh, a member of our listening or viewing audience an idea about how the peer review process works for these types of submissions? and What's the acceptance rate? Uh, Because I'm sure that people, if they are investing this amount of work, they would like to be sure that ultimately it succeeds. So what what can you tell our audience about those two issues?
2: Yeah, that's very important. So if you're gonna put into the work, uh, you wanna see it succeed like you said. So our acceptance rates is very high. Um, We we do have invited articles uh, as well as uh, unsolicited articles. Both of them are peer reviewed. We try and get at least two reviews uh, of the storyboard. For uh, each one, as I said, as long as the storyboard is approved and you produce what you said you were going to do, then it's basically accepted. Uh, there might be some minor things. And the the one thing I can say is it's very important to follow the rules uh, or not the, the rules, but the instructions for authors. Most of the time I find that people have failed to see little details that we have put in there to really try and help you. And uh, we try to make it easy to write. There's a surgical, uh, excuse me, a written template that you follow um, on the storyboard and also on the abstract. So it makes it a little bit easier to write. So the acceptance rate is uh, over 80%, Mark. And uh, it's not uh, down around 18 or 20% like the flagship journal. So it's much uh, easier in that sense uh, to get the paper accepted. Uh, And you don't have to be Uh, The number one famous surgeon doing Procedure X, really, you can take the data that supports the procedure, you just have to be good at demonstrating it and getting the concept across about how it's important to do the procedure safely and efficiently. So, um, really, I would encourage anyone who has an interest in demonstrating concepts and communicating them and can do so. Uh, with a audiovisual presentation to take a stab at it. It's kind of fun to do. Uh, it's not as laborious as a written article uh, or a scientific article, which has a different type of rigor. Um, this is more uh, a little bit on the creative side. And so if, if someone has a creative aspect uh, and wishes to show something, then they should definitely uh, submit an article.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's great. Um, and what, what what do you think is the future of such a journal?
2: Well, I think there's it's quite valuable as we continue to perform surgery and go on. I think the the importance is we need to learn things faster and when we need them, whether it's three o'clock in the morning, whether it's uh, in the operating room on a Saturday afternoon uh, or in preparation. And so I think the, the benefit here is that we can provide data and we can provide uh, information that's useful to a surgeon whenever he or she needs it uh, and it's reliable information. The future, I think, um, will be uh, trying to innovate how do we uh, communicate in a better way. Uh, I'm sure there will be technical innovations that will enable uh, our journal to do this even in a better way than we can imagine right now. Um, for example, on your, you can view this on your phone uh, quite readily uh, at any point in time. You don't need to be connected online to a computer or anywhere. You can just look at it on your phone as long as you're not uh, Doing something where you should be distracted like driving uh, you can uh, learn or uh, view things they're quick they're kind of like podcasts they're less than 20 minutes long um, if you just want to uh, review a topic or, or go through it but um, I think uh, someday uh, perhaps we'll have different uh, ways I know there are uh, setups now in operating rooms where there are multiple camera angles that are obtained so you can really get kind of the full mm-hmm. experience as if you were standing there right next to the surgeon Uh, doing a procedure uh, where you might uh, learn something Um, but remember it's not just watching the procedure it's it's getting inside the surgeon's mind and understanding what he or she is thinking about Uh, i think that's the key to learning surgery myself
1: You know, the the thing that that struck me uh, and that you've said uh, that if you're a creative mindset in a way that, you know, this might be a a great opportunity for some of our members who who think creatively and want to be able to express themselves. But I I think it gets to the dichotomy of the science and the art. And I know that we have chatted a little bit before we went live about the art and science of of orthopedics. I genuinely do believe that when you look at a great complement, to the journal itself, which is, you know, sort of the scientific uh, sort of the scientific approach to writing um, you sometimes in that in those approaches aren't able to necessarily describe uh, decision making the way you can when you're talking live. So I do really believe that having a video and or audio from a surgeon himself or herself speaking about the procedure and you know, with the general Likely sense of passion they have for that procedure uh, is likely going to have a huge impact. Um, certainly, as an adjunct, if not for some people, the primary source of how they learn.
2: No, you're you're exactly right. Uh, you know, it's the inflection in the person's voice, it's the emphasis they give, it's the excitement and the passion they show for what they're doing. Uh, those are all real motivators, I think, for us as we watch and, and learn from other people. Um, and as I was saying earlier, uh, some of the uh inspiration that i've taken has just been from youtube sites and watching creative videos there that people have done Um, i'm continually impressed by what what technology and people using technology are able to do when they're innovative and so uh we like to innovate as as surgeons in the surgery that we do and so uh we're going to innovate in ways that we can teach and learn surgery better
0: yeah, I have to admit in front of the audience that when I have to tie a bow tie like you're wearing, I have to go to YouTube every time. <laughs> I just can't do it. without, without no, doing oh. enough
2: times. <laughs> <So> <laughs> a, <laughs> so the bow tie. I appreciate that. Years ago, someone was very thoughtful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think that comes from your Harvard training, Ed. I think that's part <laughs> of the deal.
1: But well, so I take it that buying the ones already pre-tied with the little clip is just not good, no, right? No, that's <laughs> just want to know.
0: Yeah. So. No. so of
1: <laughs> your of course.
0: <laughs> so, Ed, you've published a couple of collections. What, what, uh, just a word or, or a short word about to the audience about the collections.
2: Oh, sure. Um, well, you know, this was the idea of, of an author, really. They wanted to publish a, a, a collection of articles on a topic, and the first one happened to be on uh, surgical exposures for pelvic trauma, and uh, that was a, a great uh, idea. We had not thought of that, actually. Uh, The author thought of it and we kind of banded around as you know, among the editorial board and, but hey, this is a neat idea. So what we did is we came out with a collection of articles. Now the neat thing is they didn't have to all come out at the same time. Uh, They came out kind of sequentially at different times during a year. Uh, We also used some other uh, innovations. Uh, So uh, for example, uh, looking at the pelvis, the pelvis is a really complex three-dimensional structure. And, but when we use uh, online video, uh, or we can take an image, even an, a PDF image, and we can put it there for the viewer, and they can actually control the image, uh, rotate the pelvis around, and see if I want to get to this part of the pelvis, which exposure do I use? Uh, and so we have a colored image there of the different parts of the pelvis and what exposure might be useful for them. Uh, and then each one of those different types of exposures are are demonstrated and discussed by uh, capable surgeons from uh, uh, Europe, the United States, and um, Uh, It's where this particular uh, article series came from. Uh, But we've had uh, the most recent one was on pediatric fractures. Uh, So pediatric fractures are different. They're not just little adults, they are different, of course, with the growth plate and so forth. And so uh, we had our pediatric colleagues put together some of the most common pediatric fractures and how do you stay out of trouble and how do you fix them and when should you fix them? So that's the most uh, recent one. We'll have more coming out, uh, so uh, stay tuned. Uh, there'll be more coming out, but these are collections that we can put together digitally. So electronically, there's uh, there are collections you can link together um, and uh, uh, it's very useful, I think. And if someone has an interest or it's a little bit more comprehensive uh, dealing with a topic in this manner.
0: But well, we always try to talk about the interface between uh, ortho evidence and JBJS. And th- this is yet another area because uh, you mentioned earlier in the conversation that sometimes we solicit articles. So we're constantly looking at the best evidence published in OE uh, as well as the other subspecialty journals with the highest level of evidence. And then we write uh, to the authors and ask if they would like to uh, publish in uh, EST that technique to go along with their clinical trial. So, yet another uh, uh interface between uh, oe and jbjs but there's one know. there's there's one more interface i'd like to talk about and that's creativity now Mo, uh for those of the in the audience that aren't aware has has become a fantastic artist <laughs> uh and some of his work uh, has appeared on social media and it's really really good so mo you know i think you've got that creative thing uh with with the the the, the brush and the pen and I, maybe you should do an EST. Uh, you article. know what? I
1: think, I, you know what? I think you've twisted my arm. I, I think I should do it. Absolutely, no. <laughs> oh, but, I I'm
2: going to look forward to that one.
1: Yeah, okay. Maybe cool. how how
0: how do you do how do you do one of those facial drawings from start to finish? You know, you know we we have the kind of what's important article for the for our journal, and it could be kind of what what's important uh, type of uh, you know a different spin for uh, EST. Yeah, we might oh, talk about that.
1: I would be all in on that. And I can tell you um, that I think that most of the the, you know, the contributors of EST, those who are thinking about it and have contributed in the past, themselves, you know, I mean, absolutely consider themselves as artists in, in any way, right? And, yeah. and really art is what we do um, and how we think about a, a problem. And the end result is one thing, right? But the ultimate right. is the process. Right. Uh, and I think in many ways, surgery and art are very, very, uh, I mean, they're, like, they're aligned so tightly yeah. uh but it's uh yeah i fully agree I, I think i think creativity is at the at the heart and soul of what we do
2: well that's very interesting i couldn't uh agree with you more mo especially coming from uh, someone who is so focused on the data and the science and the evidence right uh but i completely agree with you uh uh surgery is ultimately an art there isn't a scientific uh, rct trial done for every question that or decision that we have to make and we have to make lots of decisions right so it's a little bit like um uh being a musician uh and uh mark knows that i i I, uh, play the violin and so when i was younger i used to perform more and uh i was always striving for the perfect performance and you never attain that there's always something you could have done better and so surgery is a little bit like that too i think uh when, when you know when i leave and i critique in my own mind and review what happened that day there's always something i could have done better and so you're just
1: always striving to be better at what you do
0: kind of sounds like my golf game, but I don't have too often where it, it goes very well.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, fair enough. Golf's a whole different game. I, I know they talk about creativity in golf, but I think it's uh, it's more frustration for me, but anyways. Well,
0: well Ed, oh. uh, congratulations on a decade of being the editor of VST and all the innovations you've done, and I hope that uh, this uh, podcast will stimulate some people to submit some of their creative ideas and and go through the process of the storyboard. So congratulations on a job well done. And I think, Mo, go get your chai latte. Uh,
1: I'm on it, I'm on and, it. And I will submit, I promise you that. I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you uh, my storyboard, I promise. Okay. It's gotta Let's be one to of it. those drawings, one of those okay. Head, okay. headshots. Okay. And Ed, you're, you'll, you'll get
0: one of these in the mail. Okay.
2: So. <laughs> well, thanks very much for the opportunity. I've really enjoyed the
1: experience.
0: Yeah. Thanks for being here.
2: Take care. Bye. Bye.